The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. Chapter 2, we'll look at it again, verse 13. 1 John chapter 2, verse 13. Again, let me reread this as I often do for re-emphasis sake. In verse 14 as well, he says, I write unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. I have written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you young men because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you and ye have overcome the wicked one. The word overcome here means to prevail over. And so if you're a Bible note taker, you could write the word prevail by each one of those mentions of the word become. I want to speak to you tonight on being overcomer, be an overcomer. Uh, being an overcomer has to do with who you are, but uh, it will eventually come out in what you do, but it all has to do with who you are. And let me give you some statements tonight, if you will. If you will listen fast, I will give you some uh, uh, fast statements, not necessarily a short message but listen to it statement number one uh, there needs to be a place a place uh, a place where you overcome now what do I mean by that well the Bible says in 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 13 it says and not as not as Moses which put a veil it says over his face that the children of Israel might not steadfastly look upon the end of that which is abolished it says but uh, uh, their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth that uh, it says the veil it says untaken away way in the reading of the Old Testament listen to this now which veil is done away with in Christ uh, I remember when I was coming up as a young Catholic boy uh, I was on the boxing team and uh, I also of course ran track and field did some other things but predominantly uh, my main sport was that of boxing and things of that nature and oftentimes I would go to my locker and I would open my locker there in the public school and I had Mary a statue of Mary right there and I would uh, make the sign of the crucifix name of the Father, name of the Son, name of the Holy Ghost, and then I would pray to the uh, uh, the statue, the statue which represented Mary, and I would ask uh, that God uh, would allow Mary to give me blessing to be able to win the match. Now, can I tell you, there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, okay? Uh, you don't have to go through a priest, you don't have to go through a preacher, uh, you don't have to go through your parents, you don't have to go through a friend, you don't have to go through anybody to be able to pray and to reach the very throne of God, okay? Uh, the Bible talks about how there is a place. Now, by the way, everybody needs a place, a place that's a quiet time, a place where you can meet with God, a place you can turn the radio off, turn the TV off turn your friends off and meet with God uh, somebody asked uh, many years ago uh, John Wesley who had traveled over uh, 44,000 had preached over 44,000 sermons and had traveled 
tens of thousands of miles. Uh, how did he do that? He said, because every morning I knew what it was like to wake up and to be able to meet with God. Uh, uh, when you meet with God in the morning, he will give you strength throughout the day. Uh, it's a shame that when we get out of pace, a shame when we get out of schedule, a shame when all of a sudden we lay the Bible down and we pick up academics or we lay the Bible down in our personal walk with God and we pick up something else that replaces our walk with God. May I say there needs to be a place uh, where you meet with God and ask God for his wisdom, ask God for his power, a place where you come, confess your sin. The Bible says he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. How does he do that? If we confess our sins, the Bible says. And so uh, you have to have a place where you meet with God and allow God to work in your personal life. I don't care who you are. I don't care who your parents are. I don't care uh, who your aunt, your uncle is. I don't care uh, who it is that your best friend is. I don't know how many pre it doesn't matter to me how many preachers you know. It doesn't matter to me if you are a preacher yourself. Uh, everybody should have a personal walk with God where you get along with God and allow God to be able to uh, be able to help you and be able to guide you in your personal life. So uh, statement number one, how do you become an overcomer? It starts with a place. Statement number two, there has to be a person, a person, a person. Now I said there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that we have the Savior of the world as our personal Savior? Aren't you glad uh, that uh, there is no other way? You hear me quote it oftentimes on a Sunday morning, uh, especially where I quote that verse over in John chapter 14 and verse 6 where Jesus said, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. So there's not two ways to heaven. There's not three ways to heaven. When you're out soul winning, you're talking to people about Christ, and you say, if I was your friend and I wanted to go to heaven, what would you tell me to do? If a person says, well, you need to receive Jesus Christ as Savior, you don't just shake their hand and uh, walk away and say, I'm, I'm just so glad that you're a Christian, because you don't know yet. Uh, ask them. Uh, we live in such a... Um, uh, a world today where the language and terminologies are so intermixed. Uh, uh, and years ago, I've been preaching for 36 uh, years now, and can I tell you, when I first started going soul winning, and you would go out and you talk to somebody and said, uh, are, are you a Christian? Uh, they'd say, oh no, many times, no, I'm not. Now you go out and you say, are you a Christian? Well, yes, but everybody believes they're a Christian, but they believe in becoming a Christian differently. You cannot become a Christian except for the Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, to become your Savior. It's not him and anybody else. So when you have soul winning, you're talking to a friend, and you say, if I was your friend and I wanted to go to heaven, what would you tell me to do? And that person says, well, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Then I suggest you ask some uh, definitive questions to find out do they really know what they're talking about. So if I was your friend and I wanted to go to heaven, what would you tell me to do? Well, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Is that all? Is there anything else? Well, no, you need to be baptized. Is that all? Is there anything else? Well, no, you need to go to church. Okay, is there anything else? Well, you need to keep Ten Commandments. Well, is there anything else? Well, you need to be good to your neighbor. Oh, no, friend. Uh, my Bible says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You add anything to Jesus Christ, it's a work salvation. Uh, can I tell you, it's Christ and Christ only. 
when a person bows their heart and receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, he washes away their sin, gives them eternal life, and it's settled forever. You add anything else to that, and you're adding to that which is the grace of God. And if a person does that, they're not saved because it's only through Jesus Christ. Now I'm saying, how do you become an overcomer? You become an overcomer by having that place where you meet with God. Having a person in your life. Who is that? Jesus Christ. But also having somebody else in your life that will help you to live for God. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 7, the Bible says, Remember them that have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. All right? So it's good to have a preacher. It's good to have somebody that has the rule over you. It's good to have somebody that helps you and challenges you uh, to be able to take your faith to a different level. I don't know about you, but in churches where I heard old-fashioned preaching is where I made most of the decisions to live for God in my personal life. It was under men that got up and they were not afraid of the people. They were not afraid of the faces. They were not afraid of what somebody might say about them. Uh, they simply got up and they shot it straight and they don't care if it uh, hair lipped the devil. Uh, they didn't care about that at all. They simply had a love for God and they got up and they gave the word of God and God used them. How did God use them? God used them as a mouthpiece. Who were they? Uh, they were men of God. They were people. God uses people in your life. Sometimes God will use a soul winner in your life to encourage you to be a better soul winner. Sometimes God will use somebody in your life that's a prayer warrior. You walk beside them and every time you walk beside them, they say, hey, let me tell you what God did in my life. And they start to tell you and you get excited. Why? Because God's answering their prayer. What does that do? That motivates you to pray. You ever get around somebody that's a Bible student and uh, they're excited. I've seen teenagers excited about the word of God and they'll come up to me in the hallway and they'll say hey preacher can I share with you what I got out of my Bible this morning I mean that's a blessing it's a blessing to know that we have teenagers that walk with God and teenagers that get in their Bible and college students that walk with God and college students that get in their Bible and adults that walk with God and adults that get in their Bible. Why? Because God will use that to be able to help you. And as God helps you, so ought you to help somebody else. There needs to be a place. There needs to be a person. Uh, a person, if you will, please, uh, also so as that man of God will do uh, if he's worth his salt and his bread is he'll preach the Bible. So there needs to be preaching. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18 the Bible says for the preaching of the cross uh, is to them that perish foolishness. Oh, in our, in our present in our present state, uh, uh, in America, I've never seen it as I've seen it uh, presently the way it is, where people go out and they preach the Bible, and people begin to mock them uh, because they don't believe the Bible. Uh, can I tell you uh, uh, that uh, uh, we understand that people don't like uh, uh, the Bible truth. You realize this, that less than 1% of the population is controlled controlling our nation's definition of marriage. Less than 1%. You say, well, why is that, preacher? Because nobody else is speaking up. He that shouts the loudest normally gets the most attention. He that shouts the loudest normally gets the vote. Now, can I tell you, I think it's about time that Christians crawl out of their holes. 
I think you don't have to be mean about it. You don't have to be arrogant about it. You don't have to be rude about it, but you should speak up. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so here's a group of people. They're already saved. What's God say about them? Uh, God says it's by preaching to save them that believe. Uh, can I tell you that saved people need preaching too? Why? Because it saves you from making tragic mistakes. How many times have you, uh, come on now, those of you that are older, you remember when you were a teenager? Might have been a couple years ago or it might have been eons ago. But you remember when you were a teenager? You remember when you had a tender heart? You remember uh, before you were married and you went to a youth camp? You remember when you were in a revival service and God spoke to your heart and you went to the altar and you cried and you gave God everything that you had? Where'd that come from? That came from somebody getting up and opening the Bible and uh, had preaching. By the way, I think uh, if you dress up for a date and you dress up for this and you dress up for that, I think it's a good idea to dress up for Jesus. Amen. Casualness produces casual Christianity, which produces casualties. The more casual you are, the more likely you are to be a casualty. Hey, what's important to you? There's times when I take my wife out for a date. Guess what? Dress up. You say, why? She told me to. No, it's not true. I dress up. Why do I do that? Hey, uh, because I love her. She's important to me. We're going to go to a nice restaurant. Uh, President Trump shows up and says, I request a meeting with you. I think I'll dress up. When I go to visit different congressmen uh, over in the Philippines or, or governors or mayors or whatever, uh, I dress up. By the way, you look at our society, uh, still in our business world, when you walk among the professionals, uh, they dress up. Why? Because their business is important. Now, I'm sorry, but can I tell you something this morning? Uh, Jesus Christ uh, tonight is important. Well, sure he is. I'm saying there's a place, there's a person, there's preaching. There's preaching. You say, preacher, sometimes preaching gets under my skin. Sometimes preaching bothers me. I'd rather be in a church that would challenge me to be more for Jesus Christ than to be in a church that will not challenge me to do anything for Jesus Christ. I'd rather be in a church where the preacher preaches and it uh, bothers me and gets under my skin but helps me and helps my kids and helps me to be able to do the right things. Why? Because preaching is what changes lives. Statement number next. May I say uh, a place. It needs to be a place where you walk with God. You need to have some people some persons, at least one, a person in your life that can help you. There needs to be preaching. By the way, preaching produces something. Preaching produces pressure every single time. <laughs> there will be people that hear preaching and say, wow, I like that. And then there will be people that hear preaching and say, he shouldn't have said that. That was none of his business. Now, you hear all sorts of types of people. Uh, now, may I say this? First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Elijah had the same problem. 
The Bible says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long hold ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And they answered him not a word. Uh, can I tell you, sometimes when you hear preaching, people get really quiet. Uh, why? Because it, it bothers them. You can always tell when somebody gets bothered because of preaching. You go to shake their hand, they won't look you in the face. You go to compliment them, they don't want to uh, hear you compliment. Why? Because preaching climbed their tree. Uh, Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, the Bible says, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Uh, and here's his testimony, here's his statement. He said, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So he made a statement. He said, doesn't matter what my neighbor does. Doesn't matter how they raise their kids. It doesn't matter what they think. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, how many like popcorn? You like popcorn? Yeah. Man, I like popcorn. Got dear friends of mine that live in Indiana. And, uh, and every year, uh, uh, I, I, you know, uh, I get popcorn from them. And, and I appreciate the layman's there. And, and they do the Amish country popcorn. That was free advertisement for the layman. But, uh, but I, I, I like popcorn. Uh, popcorn has moisture in it. When you put it in the microwave and you start to heat it up, that moisture turns to steam. And all of a sudden, when enough steam gets in there, it begins to pop, 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 because that steam uh, begins to escape. Uh, the shell can't hold it any longer. The shell, if you would please, cannot hold it hostage any longer because on the inside, it's getting hot. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When a person gets hot for God, it's going to come out. Because it begins to build and build and build. You show me a hot Christian, I'm going to show you somebody that uh, 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 they can't contain it. It's, it's going to come out. I mean, and it's going to show up on the outside. Now, the problem is uh, that uh, uh, some people are not led that way. They let the outside control them. You see the pretty boys always, you know, just, you know, they just, you know, they just, you know, just, just, you know, I mean, they're pretty, you know, they, they have to spray the hairdo on the, and they're just, just, they're just real pretty and stuff, you know, uh, you know, now, now, wait a minute, wait, they're giving attention to the outside, but I wonder how much they're giving attention to the inside. When the inside gets hot, it affects the outside, it really does. Uh, you know, uh, uh, a teenage boy, all of a sudden he hears preaching whatnot, he just can't help it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, just can't help it. Mm -hmm, just can't help it. And all of a sudden he says, Amen! So where'd that come from? Because what's on the inside will come out. All of a sudden you start singing as a teenage boy, and you start, you start smiling as you sing, or as a teenage girl. What's that? That's the inside coming out. You're walking down the hallway, and all of a sudden you start to, uh, oh, you're not humming a rock song. Uh, oh, you're, you're humming Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Or, or you're, you're humming victory in Jesus, or rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And Why? Because whatever's on the inside, look at me, folks. Whatever you've been putting on the inside eventually comes out. 
You put trash in, trash eventually comes out. You put good things in, good things eventually come out. You know, it just depends on what you're feeding yourself with. Uh, the spirit, if you would please, uh, should be informing the soul, and the soul should be informing the body as to what to do. But in many Christians' lives, it's different. It's the body informing that which is the soul and spirit what to do. That's not the right order. That's not the right order. By the way, uh, if you want to dress like a, a Hollywood star, then you're after the wrong star. Come on, some of you men, say amen. amen. You ought to decide, hey, find yourself a missionary, uh, find yourself somebody that is living for God, and find out the way they are. And, and let it make you wonder a little bit if maybe that's godly. Hello? I'm saying this, I'm saying preaching, it does produce pressure. I read the story of a little boy that fell in a, 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 a 50 gallon drum of molasses and he prayed. He said, dear God, uh, extend my capacity to help me to eat my way out of this. <laughs> That's pretty good. Now, did you know, I think that uh, what happens is this. I, I really believe this. I believe that when we get close to God, when we uh, get uh, nestled up close to God, uh, that all of a sudden now we can't contain it. It begins to burn. Remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah said this. Jeremiah said, I couldn't hold it back. He said, it just burned in my bones. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Kenny, it's not Waterburger burning in your bones. It's the Word of God burning in your bones. I'm saying this tonight. I'm saying that preaching produces pressure. Watch this. Pressure produces a practice. Why do we do what we do, preacher? Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 21. The Bible says, be uh, not overcome. There's that word. Be not overcome of evil. But here's that word. Overcome evil with good. Did you know what happens uh, uh, when you're in the right place? You're reading your Bible. God is speaking to you. Uh, you get some godly people in your life, and then uh, you start listening to preacher and the preaching, and it produces a pressure. And, and now you can't sleep at night because you know you need to get right with your parents, and you can't sleep at night because you need you uh, need to uh, you know you need to get right with God, and you can't sleep at night. You got restless nights because you know you're not walking with God like you should. And, and so now all of a sudden you turn to God and, and God relieves the pressure because now you got right with God and you start practicing the right thing. You know, when preacher preaches about you need to be in church, never bothers the person that's in church. Never does. When I, when, when I preach something and it bothers you, it's probably because the Holy Ghost is trying to say something to you that you're not willing to listen to. That's called Conviction. Hello. And so when the preacher gets up and says, hey, we're supposed to do that. That's the way we're supposed to go. And that's the way we're supposed to travel. And, and all of a sudden, uh, Holy Spirit confirms it in the word of God. Here's what takes place. Uh, you wake up and say, uh, you know, that's right. That's right. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying pressure produces a practice. Isn't it amazing how those that play in the Olympics will practice 15 years for a 15-second performance? And then it's over. Isn't that amazing? 
You know, you and I ought to practice getting ready for heaven. Somebody said this, that your intimacy will give you a greater capacity for God to give you authority. So the more intimate I am with my father, the more he gives me a greater capacity to be able to have authority in different people's lives. Well, you say, well, preacher, how come, uh, uh, how come God hadn't opened a door for me to do that? Let me ask you about your personal life. Let me ask you about your intimacy with God. Because that's where it's going to go back to. Because if you have an intimacy with God, God opens up a greater capacity for you to be able to have authority to be able to help other people. But if you're not walking with God in an intimate way, God just doesn't open up the capacity. Why would he want to give you more when you're not using what you got to do less? You know, people that play the piano, can I tell you? Here's what they do. They practice over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And the more they practice it, the better they get at it. Same way with soul winning. I don't know how to talk to people. You got to start somewhere with one. Well, I just don't know if I could sing. You got to try one time. Well, preacher, I just don't know. Young preacher says, I just don't know if I can preach. You don't know until you start going. And by the way, you may fall flat of your face, and that's fine, because here's what God does. God many times will allow you to fall in your ministries so that you get rid of the pride and rely more on him. And don't get mad at me. Please don't get mad at me, and I love you. But uh, you make sure that your intimate walk with God is where it ought to be. I've seen people that were fakes that were not even saved build Sunday school classes. I've seen people that are fakes, not even saved, build bus routes. I've seen people that are fakes, not even saved, pastor churches. Make sure your intimacy with God is where it ought to be. Uh, make sure you're right with God, salvation. Make sure you're walking with God, your relationship. Make sure that you're all that you should be. How do I get there, preacher? You get there by receiving Christ as far as salvation, but you need to have a place, a place where you walk with God. You need to have somebody in your life that's going to say, okay, hey, just keep it up. You're doing a good job. Uh, keep it up. You're doing a good job. Uh, you need to have people in your life that will help you. It needs to be a person. You need to have preaching in your life. By the way, not just preaching uh, in church. Now, you ought to be faithful to church. Faithful to church. I'm proud of you. You're faithful to church. But you ought to plug in some preaching on a Monday. Let, let somebody bark up your tree, preach up your nose, as Hamlin says on Monday. Let, let somebody preach to you on Tuesday. By the way, that's a pretty good sign of a, a, a good Christian. Hey, Mom, you'd probably shock your parents. Mom, Dad, I don't want to play videos today. I just want to sit around and listen to preaching. Is that okay? They dropped dead of a heart attack. You'd have to revive them. You'd have to call 911. But you know, preaching does change people's lives. Can I, can I attest to this? I believe the, the greater you love Bible truth preaching is the greater you love God. Yeah. 
So there has to be a place, a person, preaching. Preaching produces pressure. Pressure produces a practice. Practice produces a purpose. If you practice something long enough, you figure out the purpose. I was out there cutting wood for my dad every single spring. Dad would get two dump trucks of wood. He said, okay, boys, it's coming. Yes, sir. We get those splitting irons. We get those sledgehammers. Uh, we get those axes. We didn't, we didn't have uh, the fancy uh, uh, log cutters or anything like that. We just have to do it with those things. And, you know, uh, my brothers and I, we get out there and we'd split it. You say, why'd you do it? Because over the summertime, it needed to be able to dry out so we could burn it in the winter. Every spring, we knew it was coming. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that uh, we didn't understand the purpose of it, but we practiced it. And after a while, by and by, we understood, hey, we're warm in the house. That's my log that I cut. We had a part of it. There was a purpose. Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor, it says, that which he, nor uh, with the wine which he drank. Uh, therefore, he requested that the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now listen to this, Daniel chapter 1 and verse 12. The Bible says, Prove thy servants, I beseech thee, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And by the way, they look better than the other guys. Why did they do that? Because they had purposed. Purpose, they purposed it. But I want to help you. Christianity is not easy. Living as a Christian is not easy. But it's always right. And it's always the honest thing to do if you're a Christian. I kind of believe that if you're a Christian and you're in an a elevator someplace, uh, it's probably honest to pass out somebody a, a gospel track. It's probably the honest thing to do. It's probably the honest thing to do. Uh, probably when somebody comes to you and says, I've got a problem, will you help me? It's probably just the Christian thing to do to pray first and ask God for wisdom. Uh, probably just the, the right thing to do. It's probably the right thing to do to pray in public as you're going out to uh, eat with somebody. and They might not be saved. They may be saved, but not quite as close to the Lord as you. Or it might be you're uh, entertaining a missionary or a preacher. It's probably the right thing to do. Not be ashamed of your God. Bow for prayer and say, Dear God, please bless the food and I thank you for it. You've been so kind to provide it. That's probably a good thing to do. It's probably a good thing to do to be, uh, be able to be an honest person and pay your bills on time. That's, that's probably good. It's probably good to return the tools that you borrow. Uh, you say you're, 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 you're uh, meddling now in my personal affairs. Uh, yeah, return all those tools that you borrow. Uh, it, it's probably good to purpose in your heart that you're going to be the right type of Christian all the days of your life. Then I'll say this and I'm done. When there is a place... When you do have people, a person, if not people, in your life, when you have godly preaching, it produces that which is pressure and practice and purpose. And then you'll find out there's persistence. There's persistence. She's here tonight. I'll brag on her a little bit if I may. I am pr proud of Rebecca. She's a teen Sunday school teacher. I'm proud of that. She works on a bus route. I, I am. I'm, I'm proud of that. She sings in several different groups, and I'm proud of that. She teaches in a Christian school, and I'm, I'm proud of that. Uh, she has done well, and I'm proud of that.
But I could go down, I could name the other guys. This guy can't speak tonight because he preached three times today and he doesn't have a voice and his wife says, thank God. <laughs> but I'm proud of him. I really am. Jared and Debbie and both of them Sunday school teachers and, and I could go on with all that he does and, 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 and more what I'm saying about them and, and Farber Rubies and so many things that they do and Jonathan you know he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off and doing things and, uh, and I, I'm proud of them I'm proud of my dear wife she did a good job somebody says you got good kids I said you ought to thank my wife they say you got smart kids I said see that woman right there she educated him. Hello. I, I give her all credit. I give her all credit. Now, may I say this tonight? Uh, there's persistence. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, the Bible says, And let us not be weary. That means, friend, you're going to get weary. You're going to get tired. When are you going to get weary, preacher? Well, the Bible says, Let us not be weary in well-doing. So you're going to get weary in well-doing. But the Bible says, for in due season ye shall reap. Here's the conditional clause, as I call it, if we faint not. Remember the story of the rabbit and the, the turtle? Remember that? Remember that? Rabbit and the hare? Remember that? Yeah. Uh, just kept going, 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 just kept going. I remember painting my grandmother's house. Uh, uh, it was the uh, one grandmother had died and now I was a little bit older and Lottie I was staying with her over the weekend and she said Mike I have a hankering I said well I hope you get over it <laughs> no but she said I have a hankering to paint the kitchen and also the living room what do you think I said when do you have a hankering to do that means she had a desire I said when do you have a hankering to do that she says tonight I said, why tonight? She said, because you're spending the night. <laughs> she said, I think it would be a wonderful experience if we could stay up all night and paint together. I said, Lottie, I'm so glad you think it'd be a wonderful experience. She said, what do you think? I said, I'm spending the night. I don't have a choice. It's going to be a wonderful experience. <laughs> We, we mixed the paint together and we started to paint. First, we were so sloppy. I mean, she's telling me the idea about seven or eight o'clock at night. And so two large rooms, she wants it detailed. And so about six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning, we're finishing it out. And I said, Lottie, what do you think? And she said, it was a wonderful experience. You know why she said that? Because about 3 a.m. she looked over at me and she said, Mike, it was great. You mind finishing this for me? I'm going to bed. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. That's just the way it was. And I finished it out. And she came out the next morning to fix me breakfast. And I ate my breakfast and I went to bed. But can I tell you something? Uh, when I looked and I saw the brightness on her face, uh, it made it all worth it. Can I tell you something, kids? When you're persistent in living for God, you know, what's going to break, you know what's going to break a parent's heart one day? All of a sudden you quit on God, get out of church, go out and, out and act like a fool. Yeah, you're going to break your parent's heart. Oh, yeah, will break preacher's heart too. You'll break a Sunday school teacher's heart. Being persistent, being persistent, being persistent.
you know, I have a brother, uh, I got two still living, and uh, one's in uh, Mississippi down by the coast, the other's in the Hattiesburg, Mississippi area. And Joe watches all these things, you know, when I preach him and his fiance, and they watch all this stuff. But, uh, but he said, I'm learning and I'm growing. I'm learning and I'm growing. I'm learning and I'm growing. And it's, he says, boy, God is just straightening me out a little bit here, a little bit there. I'm learning and I'm growing. I'm lear-. That's what it's all about. There's not one person in here, and I love you, but there's not one person in here that's better than somebody else. There's not one person in here that's arrived. You know, we got people who just got saved last week. They're sitting here tonight. We got people that's been saved for, oh, at least 30, 40, 50 years. They're sitting here tonight. The great thing about it is we can come and we can love God together, learn from the Bible together, and be able to go forward to serve Jesus Christ together. That's what a church is like. Father, bless I pray, please, will you? We sure. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.